great to be worshiping with you guys. We come together each and every week to make much of the God who is absolutely in charge. And all of God's people said, huge deal, man. May we grasp all that he is and all that he's about. And, uh, you know, this past number of weeks, we've been walking through a sermon series here called Summit Walk. What does it mean to take the step-by-step details each day of putting my life into the hands of God? May he get all the glory as I get to experience the living God. And we're walking through that in the book of James and learning as we go, taking super practical steps. In fact, you heard Pastor Mike talking about a very practical step we got coming up with this marriage conference. Man, you do not want to miss out. We're already at something like 700 or whatever for that. And, and uh, make sure you get signed up for that. Make sure you get here for that Friday night, Saturday. It's going to be awesome. And ladies, you've got that women's study coming right after it that starts the 19th. So don't miss out on getting signed up for that. Super excited about what we got coming here in the month of February and beyond to be able to set ourselves in line with our God and be able to learn what it is to walk with him, whether it be in our marriage or alone personally, may God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, dude, that's a huge deal. And it's a huge deal that we grasp what God has us walking through. You know, this past week we had Pastor Kent who uh, started uh, James chapter two with us. I appreciate Kent being able to carry that for me. That is the first time in 12 years that I have ever had to call on a Friday night and say, I am out. I do not have this. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about it in the sermon, but uh, got sick this past week and uh, have been uh, getting better. That's why the chair is here. Have been getting better and uh, energies are a little down, but I feel great. So just want to make sure I don't pass out in front of y'all, you know, and all of God's people said, all right. So that's where we are. So James chapter 2, as we dive in today, we're starting in verse 14 and just really excited to be able to look at what it means to be stepping through a fake faith or a faltering faith. What does it mean to move around the potholes of a faith that isn't a saving faith? And James getting super practical and super real that there is a faith that saves. And man, there's a lot of claims that don't. And we got to be super careful that we know and understand what we're talking about. So turn with me, if you will, to James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. James chapter 2, starting in verse 14. And uh, how do we navigate around this fake or faltering faith? Point number one, grasp that real faith will have real works. Grasp this, real faith will have real works. There will be a follow-through. It's not that we're saved by works. Everybody say, not that. But man, a real faith, if we're really believing in our God and we're longing for him to uh, be real in our lives, it says that God works in us both to will and to work of his good pleasure. There's going to be works that will come out of it. He will fill you up and it will spill over. Real faith will have real works. So let's dive in here starting in verse 14. It says, what good is it? My brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? Let's just hold right there. There are a couple of questions that are being asked here in the Greek. And just so you know, in the Greek, when it's formed like this, the answer is uh, no or none. That's the answer, all right? So it's, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Answer is, well, none. What good is it? There is none. To say I have a faith, but it doesn't lead anywhere. It's missing the point. 
What good is it, my brothers? Notice he is writing to saved ones. My brothers, everybody say, that's saved. Right, he's writing to the saved ones. And he's like, let's make sure we're really clear about what saved is. He says, what good is it if someone says he has faith? Please notice it does not say, what good is it if somebody has faith? It says, what good is it if somebody says? Everybody say, says. Don't miss it. This dude is claiming something. But he's not living it out. He's not seeing it in realities. What good is it if he says he has faith, but he does not have works? If he's like, I believe in Jesus. I mean, I'm going to live it, but I believe in Jesus. Like, what good is that? And uh, None. It says, can that faith save him? Again, this question asked in the Greek is calling out for the answer, no. Can that faith save him? Answer, No. Don't miss that. And we have to be really careful now. Because if you're not listening, if you check out on me right now, you might be like, I think I just heard him say we're saved by works. Everybody say, not that. Dude, it's not that. It's not faith plus works equals salvation. Faith alone saved. And that leads to works that will spill out of us. Works do naturally come out of that. It's not the works are doing the saving. Faith is saving but the works will come along. If there are no works, dude, that is a big problem. If it's not following through. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if some says, someone says he has faith, but he does not have works, can that faith save him? No. Like, man, let's make sure we've got a live, vibrant faith. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? There's another one of those Greek questions where the answer is none. What good is it if you see somebody who's hurting physically and you're like, hey man, hope it all goes well for you. That's what he's talking about. Hey, hope it goes well. Hey, wish you the best. And then you move on. And we're missing the point of not caring for the one who has physical needs. He's like, what good is it if all you do is send a little shot over the bow of, hey, hope the best for you, or take this in the right light now. Okay, let's just be careful. Everybody looking up here, right? But when we say, hey, praying for you, but then we never go pray for him. Know what I'm saying? Where you give the Christianese answer, oh, dude, that's gotta be hard, praying for you, man. And what you really mean is, I'm thinking about you right now, but are you really going to take that home and thunderously storm the throne of grace on their behalf? Please hear me. There is much power in prayer. I'm not saying prayer isn't powerful work. I'm saying saying you're going to and then doing nothing about it. That is a total miss, right? And men, may we not just put some lip service to someone in need and cast some words over to them and hope that makes them feel a little better so we can move on with our day. Uh, that's not actually faith on fire at all, right? May we be careful with what we're going after. He's like, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is it? Implication, none. So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith by itself without works is dead. A normal faith that healthily believes in Jesus Christ 
God is going to do a work in your soul. Your heart is going to be transformed one degree of glory to the next. And as there is transformation, there's going to be a work of God in your soul. And it is literally going to be filling you up. And there's going to be adjusts that take place. God's going to get the glory as this thank you offering of works starts giving back to him. That's what he's talking about. A real faith will have real thank offering works that start pouring back to your God. In fact, you're going to know the God who is love. And as this God who is love pours into you, love starts pouring out of you. Faith. It's going to be super normal. It's going to be super natural. Please hear me. As God does a work in you, there is going to be a natural outpouring of worship and thanks back to him works. Works do not save, but they're an indication that you are saved. And all of God's people said, let that settle. This is super important. Works do not save, but it is a good indication that you are saved. Faith without works is dead, right? Faith without works looks like the tree that was in front of our house this past year. I have no idea what disease this thing caught, but man, this thing turned absolutely black. The leaves turned black. They like froze on the tree. They never came off. Black leaves just rigid on the tree. There was no green. There were no floral. There was nothing. That tree was black. as It looked like I took spray paint and I just sprayed it top to bottom. It just sat there blackened out. Man, he's like, that faith looks like a blackened out frozen dead tree. Normal, natural faith with God working in you is going to start raising up little bits of change at a time and there is going to be life and proof and evidence that God is at work in you. And all of God's people said, awesome. Here's the deal. Uh, so we have a wedding coming up in our home and uh, our daughter Alyssa, our younger daughter, is actually marrying Grant coming up in April here and super excited for them. Uh, Alyssa decided... She's like, you know what I want to do for flowers? I want to make all my own floral. I want to go after it myself. My answer being the practical father was, are, are you sure that you, that you want to take all that on? Maybe, maybe you don't want to do that, right? And she was like, no, I really do. I'm, I'm excited about it. And, and uh, they've got some great looking floral stuff over at Hobby Lobby. Have you seen these silk flowers over at Hobby Lobby? It's pretty crazy how real these things look, man. Like when you think of fake flowers... You think like really cheesy looking. I'm telling you, especially like their pink roses and stuff, it is amazing how real these things look. She came home with the first set. She's like, I'll just try to do one or two. And she started doing them. And they look amazingly real from a distance, right? Just get a little distance and it looks amazingly real. It's stunning how good they look. And she's doing a great job with it, saving a ton of money on it. And it looks awesome. I'm telling you, a big fan of uh, Hobby Lobby flowers now. And, uh, but uh, I will say this though, the reality, if you get up close and you touch the flower, there's something different about it. And if you smell the flower, not me, I still can't smell after brain surgery stuff, but if you smell the flower, you can't smell anything, right? It doesn't have the feel, it doesn't have the smell. James is like, I'm telling you this, faith that from a distance might look real, but when you get up close, it doesn't have the feel and it doesn't have the smell, that faith does not save. 
how often do we in the church become experts at fake faith? And be super careful. Our job is not to be walking around making it look like we might be saved. Our job is to have a faith that is so on fire with Jesus Christ that God starts filling you up from the inside and the love of God starts pouring out onto the street. Do you have a faith that is on fire? That's a saving faith. And a faith that literally is saving us is a faith that is changing us. And all of God's people said, may we go after this with all we've got. Lord, I long to see a live faith in my life. So simple question, is there evidence of a real faith in your life? Like I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm not talking about I've got everything down. I got saved and so I never make another mistake in my life. That's not even biblical, right? First John chapter 1 says, if you say you're without sin, you're a liar. That's not reality. We wrestle through things. But I'm saying, are you seeing growth? Are you seeing progress? Are you seeing a love for others and a love for your God? How are you doing with that? Is God getting the glory in your life as you have a faith in him and a love for him and for those around you? May we hand our lives to him, a real believing faith. And all of God's people said, All right, point number two, grasp. Grasp that belief alone never saves. Just look at the demons. Grasp that belief alone never saves. Just look at the demons. And he says here, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. He's beginning to presume what the answer will be. He's like, hey, just so you know, a faith without works is dead. And so now, here's what he thinks the answer back might come from them. Someone's going to say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. He's like, some of you are going to say, yeah, well, you have faith, I have works. I'm just telling you, I'm going after it the right way. And his answer back is, really? How do you show me your faith? How does it go on display? He says, you show me your faith without your works are apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. The real evidence of faith in God Almighty is him changing your soul and works naturally beginning to pour out. May God get all the glory. He's like, please hear me. This declaration of faith is what it is. This mental ascent, this belief game. You're missing it. The call is not to just believe the call is to give your life over to him he goes on further he says you believe that God is one you do well notice he compliments them you believe that God is one you do well you're like I believe in the oneness of God this is actually very biblical it comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 it's from the Shema it's the crying out of the belief of Israel in God Almighty it goes like this, Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Deuteronomy chapter 6. He's like, you believe that God is one. Good job. It's great that you assent to that. It's great that you understand that. You're declaring Deuteronomy 6 and you're holding on to it in a faith-based moment. You believe that God is one, you do well. Problem though. Even the demons believe and they 
shudder. James chapter 2 is super clear on this. Hear me. The demonic forces are fully aware that God is one. The demonic forces are very clear that Jesus Christ, God Almighty, died on the cross and rose again. The demonic forces are super clear that Christ died on the cross for your sins. And if you were to say, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross? Demonic answer, yeah. Do you believe that Jesus rose again? Yeah. Do you believe he died to cover sins? Yeah. And they shudder. Why? Because they are not putting their life in the hands of God Almighty and saying, I confess you as my Lord. I submit. I am humbly under you. You are in charge. Please take over. He goes to the ultimate example. You have a claim of faith. The demons are claiming the same faith. And they're afraid for what's coming in the end. They know their end result. Please hear me. It is not enough to have some mental assent of some fact. It is handing your life to your God. Him in charge. Man, we talk about it this way. You need to admit that Jesus or that you are a sinner and you are in need of a savior, Jesus Christ. Admit. You need to believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. He is alive. There is authority and power in him. All of that is mental assent. And then you need to confess him as Lord. Take over. I submit to you. You're in charge. Lord God, may you take over in my life. That's saved. And it is not enough to have some mental assent to the conditions and the positions of who God might be. Put your life in his hands. Are you there? Are you giving your life not just as some, yeah, I think that's true, but instead you're saying, God, I live for you and I'm making you number one in my life. You're in charge. He's like, the demons have a mental ascent and they know their end and it's not a good one. They shudder about the eternal separation in hell that they have coming. It says, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? I love this moment. It's kind of a throwdown moment from James. He's like, do you need a few examples? And we're going to go into them in the third point in just a second. He's like, do you need to know this? Do you want to hear this? <clears throat> there is reasoning and understanding behind what it means to have a faith that lives it out in real world. Faith apart from works is useless. Literally, if there's a faith and it doesn't end up in a good works moment, and that faith does not save. If it's not ending up in God filling your soul and changing you one degree at a time, just a little bit at a time, you're seeing some transformation. We got a problem with that supposed claim of belief. May God be in charge. This is a huge throwdown. James talking to the Jewish believers saying, stop claiming it. Start putting God in charge of your life and watch him begin to do a work in you, right? This past week, I was, uh, well, I was sick as a dog. And uh, I'm just telling you, I haven't been that sick in, I don't know, years and years and years, long, long time. And uh, I got sick just a little bit a couple weeks back, like for a day, and I got over that fast. 
This isn't that kind of sick. This was like last Thursday when I went down. I started feeling bad a Thursday afternoon. We had Amplify that night. I was getting through Amplify that night. By the time I got home, I had like this kind of weird shake going and a fever was starting to rise up. I could feel it and, and I ended up uh, being sick all day Friday. Like Friday just started to be this horrible scent. You know when you had that delirious experience? When you're laying in bed and you're like not even sure what you're doing and you can't really think things through and my head is sort of checked out and I'm shaking like crazy and I'm taking this cold medicine and I'm trying to knock the thing down so I can study and prep to be ready to preach on Sunday and it's getting worse and worse. Friday afternoon, it just started coming up. I just started throwing up like crazy I, six, seven times. I can't even remember. And, and uh, you know the kind where when you throw up, you're actually happy because you feel a little better? Like that kind of, it was horrible, man. And uh, got through that, and Jana got home. She was gone all week for a master's class for uh, biblical counseling stuff. And when she got back, <coughs> I mean, I was like, we got to do something. So we went to the doctor, uh, the kind I couldn't drive. She was driving. When I get out of the car, I'm like walking in, and you're sort of hunched over. You feel like you're 113 years old, you know? And you come in, and you sit down, and they're like, so we need to swab you just to see if this is the flu. And... Uh, and then she pulls out a swab. Have you seen these things? Have you seen these things? They're like, we're going to swab you. She pulls the swab out, and she's like, are you going to be able to handle this? And I'm like, actually, I've had three brain surgeries all through the nose. Bring it. You know, I'm fine. And she goes with this swab, and she goes up in, and she touched. So my, <laughs> I mean, way up in, man. Swabs, pulls it out. 15 minutes later, we're on the way home. They end up calling and they're like, yeah, you have type A influenza. It's, it's pretty bad and, uh, and uh, we need to get you on some stuff. So they got us on Tamiflu, which honestly stopped it fast. Like I started feeling uh, better Friday night, better yet Saturday. I mean, I was still fevery, achy, all that stuff, but at least not this. You know what I'm saying? And uh, getting better and better. The reality is it was nice to be able to have the quick swab test where he's like, just so you know, you're going to be contagious on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You do not want to be out in public. I'm like, oh, okay, what about preaching? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, no to that. I really don't think you should be preaching. I think that should be off. And so that's when Pastor Kent stepped in to be able to cover. And, and uh, what's the point? The reality is he had a swab test for influenza and James has a swab test for faith that's on fire. There's a swab test here. Here's the simple swab test. So is it coming out in loving works, caring towards others and loving the Lord your God? Swab test. Like are you able to be found sick with a living faith? Do you have that? And make sure that you grasp that it's more than just some mental assent. It's more than just some statement of belief, but there's no change in your life. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, and please hear me, Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13, it says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work of his good pleasure. If you have a saving faith and God is working in you, there is going to be good works that pour out of you. It's part of what he promises. God at work in you. The faith alone saves, but it will bring works. May God get all the glory. All right? Point number three. Point number three. 
Live out your faith in celebration of your saving God. Live out your faith in celebration of your saving God. Now we'll get a running start. We'll start here in verse 20 again. He says, do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? He's like, hey man, do I need to give you a couple examples so that you grasp that faith without works is dead? It doesn't save. So here we go. He starts out, he says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. (coughs) I'm just going to tell you, if you know your scripture a little bit and you're aware of Romans, this passage should really kind of bother you. Because Romans chapter 4 says that you cannot be justified by the works of the law. And it says that Abraham believed God and he was justified by faith. This says justified by works. What is going on? And now this actually is such a big deal that actually there are a few early church fathers. I mean, like Luther, Martin Luther was like, I'm not sure that James should be in the Bible. Like, I don't know how to reconcile these two. And so we're going to do a little grad program moment right here. We're going to walk through a little bit of a heavy on this, but let's make sure we grasp and understand it, all right? So I'm just going to say this. There's a couple of different views to how to answer this. I'll give you the first one uh, up front here. Some will say, well, what happens is this justification by faith. Yes, like it says in Romans, justified by faith. That will naturally follow through to works. And in essence, if you think of this holistically, a faith that leads to works is what saves. A faith that leads to works is what saves. In essence, it's kind of like you're being justified even by the works coming together with it. And uh, some will say that kind of a talk. I just want to let you know, I'm not sure I'm there. I'm going to go one step further on it. I think you have to be super careful when you say that because if you say those words, you actually have come this close to saying, works saved me. And I'm not real comfortable with that at all. Here's another point to make on this. Notice it says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? He was justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. All right, let's go back to the Abraham story. So Genesis chapter 15, you're going to want to write those verses down. Genesis chapter 15, Abraham is told by God, just so you know, you're going to have a son. And through that son, the nations are going to be blessed. Trust me, a son of promise is coming. And it says, and Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Genesis 15, God's promising a son. Abraham believes, counted as righteousness. Paul, in Romans 4, says, that's justified. He moved from unsaved to saved. He believed God. Genesis 15, justified by faith. Genesis 15, justified by faith. Everybody say justified by faith. That's Genesis 15. But this isn't talking about that moment. Notice what it says. He was justified by works when... He offered Isaac on the altar. That's Genesis 22. That's seven chapters later. Genesis 22. 
In fact, it's 30 years about that have passed in time. From the moment where he had faith and he was saved, justified by faith, now a child of God, he believes, Genesis 15, 30 years later, as God has been working in his life, as this faith has been active, as God is changing him one degree of glory at a time, now God says, take Isaac and sacrifice him. And Abraham, it says in Hebrews 11, Abraham said, if I have to take his very life, I believe that God will raise him from the dead. Because God made a promise, Genesis 15, and I had faith in it. So Genesis 22, take your son and sacrifice him. And as Abraham went out with his son to sacrifice, he is stopped, it says, by the angel of the Lord. When scripture in the Old Testament says angel of the Lord, usually that's a Christophany, that's Christ. Old Testament. Angel of the Lord, as Jesus says, stop, now I see that you have faith. Do you hear the difference? Genesis 22, this is your faith on display. Genesis 15, you aren't saved. I'm declaring you saved because of your faith in me. You are now having faith And this is what saves you, Genesis 15. In that moment, it is the father standing over Abraham saying, Do you see this one? I declare him righteous, Genesis 15. Genesis 22, Jesus saying, Do you see this righteousness? Look at it on display. Look what's coming out. I personally believe that the justification, Genesis 22, is a very different statement than the justification, Genesis 15. Genesis 15 is, if you want to put it in big words, ready? It's Pauline justification. It's the what saves you, faith. But there is more than just the word declared about this. When you look at this Greek word, it can mean to be declared righteous, Genesis 15, or that your righteousness is now put on display, Genesis 22. Now, both of them come together. Here's the reality. Genesis 15, he is saved. Everybody say saved. Saved by faith. In over 30 years, that faith is growing. And it goes on full display. And this display of his faith comes out in that moment where he is called to go ahead and take his son's life. And that faith goes on full display. It is, in that moment, displaying his righteousness. That's what's happening. It's two sides of the same coin as long as your coin looks over 30 years, right? And it's a really big deal that we grasp he has faith and that faith ultimately leads to works on display. He's saying the exact same thing. I just want to be really, really careful with this. This is what it does not say. Abraham did some good things and that saved him. If you're not careful, if you say this justification is the one that Paul is talking about, Well, Paul's talking about Genesis 15. James is talking about Genesis 22. Paul's talking about when Abraham got saved. James is talking about after he's saved and that salvation going on display. That is super important to see the difference on. And all of God's people said, I am happy to answer any questions anytime, but it is super important you grasp this. James is looking at Genesis 22, faith on display of an already saved person. Paul is looking at an unsaved going to saved, and that happens by faith alone. 
We believe in Jesus Christ, but that living belief in Jesus moves us along a path where he starts changing and shaping our lives. Is your faith alive? Where 30 years from now, there's works that are spilling out of you that it would have never spilled out before you were saved. God getting the glory. You know, if you look at John chapter 15, it says that if we love God, we will obey him. He's saying the same thing. If we love God, it's going to follow through to an obedience of him. And uh, 1 John chapter 2, it says that if the loving God of the universe is in us, man, then love is going to pour out of us. These things are absolutely real. But if you crush together faith in works and you're not careful, you wake up tomorrow saying, I have to do to be saved. So let me restate it in really simple terms. We do not work to get saved and we do not work to stay saved. But works puts our salvation on display. We do not work to get saved. We do not work to stay saved. But works makes it clear we are saved. And all of God's people said, don't miss it, man. There's a really important moment. Because otherwise you start going home and you stop looking at your faith and you start looking at your works and you try to muscle something up and it's missing the point. May we have a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, a living faith that leads naturally to works. And all of God's people said, I'm just telling you, man, this is a master's class in James chapter two. It's no small moment to be able to understand that James is talking about a Genesis 22 faith on display. Not a, not a Genesis 15, faith initiated. Huge deal that we grasp that, right? It says here, you see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. Living faith will beget works. Think of it this way. If I walk up to you with a $100 bill and I hand it to you and you feel it, it's got all the feel of a $100 bill. It's amazing. And you're looking at it and then you turn it over and it's blank. What's the next thing you say to me? You can have that. That is totally fake. There's nothing on the backside. And James is like, just so you know, a real faith will have this absolute declaration of what you believe on the front. And if you flip it over, it's got works built into it, naturally responding to God working in your life. Absolutely, it is God at work in you. That's Real faith. If you want to say it's two sides to a coin, say that. But know this, real faith will come to real works being lived out as an evidence of God at work in you. It says, and faith was completed by his works. There is a sanctification, a growing, a perfecting along the way. God is growing you one degree of glory at a time. Can we all admit this? From the moment we're saved, we are not immediately perfect. Can you admit that? Right? If you have a problem with that, ask a family member, they'll nail it down for you, right? You, you don't have it down yet, right? When we're saved, we're coming along a path. And he's like, just so you know, those works as you begin to partner with God, start doing an amazing thing, one degree of glory at a time, as we engage with our king and watch him change and shape us. It says, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. Now James looks back to Genesis 15. 
He's like, in Genesis 15, the father says, this one is righteous. And in Genesis 22, the son says, I see that righteousness coming out. And it looks backwards and says, Genesis 15 was real. This is a fulfillment of what the father has done. Do you see these works pouring out? This is a live faith. May God get all the glory. He says, you see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In fact, that alone there modifies the word justified. He's like, just so you know, it's like there's two justifieds. There's the justified that moves us from unsaved to saved. And then there's the justified that starts putting our faith on display in this world in front of people and in front of God Almighty, making it clear it is real. Huge deal. And uh, it says, and in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. Rahab, a prostitute, she was living in Jericho. And as Israel was looking to break into the city and try to figure out what to do, she believing in Yahweh, the God of the universe, that he is one, that he's in charge, she's longing to partner up and she agrees to work with the spies and she lets them down out of the city and her work saying, I'm with this God and she is now following through in a natural faith work or action. The work itself did not save her. She had faith in God Almighty, but that is now followed through in true belief. And as she helped him, helped these spies to go down, there is actually a moment where she is saying, do you see my faith in God? So real that it calls me to action. Do you have that faith? So real that it calls you to action. It says, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Faith that does not lead to works isn't real. A tree that doesn't bring fruit is dead. May we grasp this. Living faith will bring about a following through. I just wrote this. Works do not earn it. Works do not keep it. But they sure do demonstrate it. May we make sure this is understood. Here's what James was dealing with. He's got a group of Jewish people who are like, yeah, I believe that Jesus is risen from the dead. I'm not going to care about anybody around me. It's just going to be about me. But I believe he rose from the dead. And James is like, you're trying to claim a faith that has no follow through. You're trying to claim that God is at work in you but you're not seeing any of the love of the Father spill out of you. Be careful. That's not a saving faith. Simply put, real faith will bring you to your knees before the loving God of the universe and will long for him to get the glory as you worship him. How's your worship? How is your faith? Simple question, do you admit that you are a sinner in need of a savior? Do you admit that? Do you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead? That he is willing to cover sin with his work on the cross? Do you believe that? The demons believe and shudder. It's not enough to say, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. 
we need to go one step further and confess him as Lord. You're in charge. I submit my life to you. I am ready for you to take over. You're the God of love pouring into me. May love rise up and spill out and pour to the streets. You're in charge. Man, are you willing to make Christ in charge in your life? You may have heard the phrase, we are saved by faith alone. And so you think, I just get to claim it, and that's good enough. James is being super crystal clear. It is not enough to say, fine, Jesus rose from the dead, thanks. We must believe with him in all we've got, handing our lives to him and saying, you're in charge. Our faith needs to call us through to humble worship, sacrifice. May God get all the glory. Simple question, are you in? I'm not talking about are you in with the belief part. I'm talking all the way in. Are you willing to say, you're in charge, Lord. Take over in my life. No more playing around. I'm ready for you to do a work in me. May you get all the glory. Are you saved? If not, man, right here, right now, hand it to your king. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, amen. Let's pray. 